Hi everyone and welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host Dr. Shadi Manicheri and today's episode is on missing teeth. My guest today is Dr. Shivana Anand who is a specialist trainee in prosthodontics and she's the perfect person to discuss this topic with. In the first part of this episode, Shivana shares her journey with dentistry, including how she dealt with rejection after applying to dental school the first time around. And we also discuss how we've both learned from our mistakes and how we consider them to be a crucial step in our path to success. In the second part of this episode, we talk about the causes of missing teeth, some treatment options, including dentures, bridges, and dental implants. We talk about the pros and cons of each of these options, and we also talk about whether you should have your missing teeth replaced or whether you can leave them as they are. I am so excited to announce that this episode is very kindly sponsored by Enlighten. You may have seen me rave about them on my social media channels. I always get so many questions about teeth whitening, which brand I recommend and how I personally whiten my teeth. And the answer to all those questions is Enlighten. What's really special about Enlighten is that they guarantee a B1 shade. For those of you that don't know, B1 is the brightest natural shade of teeth that we have. And the greatest thing is that there are no dietary or lifestyle changes with Enlighten. So you can continue to drink your coffee and still whiten your teeth, which was the big selling point for me personally. For more information about the Enlighten, please check out my social media channels. And now without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi Shimana, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I am very well. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got here, please? So, um, very exciting journey. Um, my name is Shivana. I am what well, I still classify myself to be a youngish dentist. Um, I have been qualified now for about six years. And initially, I went down the road of kind of academia. So, I did my foundation training. So, my my year of um, learning and being supported in the Oxfordshire Deanery. So up near Milton Keynes. And then I continued on and did a year in hospital um, called dental core training. And I absolutely loved this year. I was in a range of different London hospitals, including Great Ormond Street, UCL, and uh, the Eastman Hospital. And that's where I did a lot of training in oral surgery and maxillofacial surgery as well. Um, The Great Ormond Street rotation was incredible. And I just really liked this whole atmosphere and um, doing more specialist treatment and really like high needs patients that you can really make a difference in. Um, I came out of my core training and I did a a year or so in general practice, um, which I loved. Um, I found that every single year I've had like a very different (laughs) role in dentistry. Um, And that was really fantastic. And I got to understand primary care really well bread and butter dentistry, you know, um, families, um, treating your patients for a long while. Um, yeah, that, that was really great. Um, I basically wanted to do more. So I applied for a post, um, in a specialist 
capacity and that's in the remit of called it's called prostodontics which is basically anything that's missing in the mouth <laughs> we replace so it's like prosthetics in in the medical world um and i am currently now fast forward to my final year of training and i will touch wood <laughs> graduate this time next year um and it's been a, a great journey and i've been able to work in general practice alongside training so building my skills and then actually being able to treat my patients to a higher standard of care which mm. has been absolutely great um mm. bit of interruption in between with covid but <laughs> um <laughs> but nevertheless that's where i'm at now and and i hope to continue on in that trajectory wonderful and was there a particular moment in your training that you decided you wanted to go down the specialist pathway because for, for those people that don't know dentists when they, when we qualify we are general dentists we can do uh, all sorts of different things but uh, sometimes we can choose to do a specialist training pathway to become specialized in one specific area to do more of that so when did you realize that you wanted to specialize and focus on prosthodontics so I'm a funny one. I actually, um, when I was doing my A-levels, I didn't, for a multi kind of multitude of different reasons, didn't get my predicted grades to get into dentistry. Um, there was a lot of restructure happening with my school and, you know, things like that. And what ended up happening is majority of us got our grades um, and we all ended up having to take kind of a year out. Um, I was so anti doing this at the time and mm. you know the whole world has ended. I want to go into dentistry and I want to be a dentist. And actually it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me in my entire life. Um, I have a very good family friend who basically his receptionist had gone on maternity leave at, in his dental practice. Um, so he said, Giovanna, why don't you come and work um, at the desk and, you know, you'll pick up things about dentistry and really figure out whether it's for you. So I was like, OK, great, I'll do that. Um, I worked there for six months and then I went traveling for six months <laughs> before I went to university. Wonderful. And he was actually a dual qualified oral surgeon and prosthodontist. So I have a feeling that my brainwashing <laughs> began at a very kind of young age before I even did dentistry, where I learned a lot about prosthetics. I learned a lot about um, the multidisciplinary disciplinary care within their clinic. Um, there was periodontists, pedodontists, um, oral surgeons, endodontists, and pros. And I ended up just he just became my mentor and everything that he stands for in terms of his ethos. Um, I completely like love and adore. And funnily enough, now I'm nearly qualifying. I'm actually now working there as a junior specialist. So it's crazy how life Amazing. works. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I think for me, it was then, um, and it just kind of instilled with me and carried on. Um, I'm a little bit of a risk taker. So even though I was quite young in terms of applying for specialty training, I just did it to say like, let's see what happens. I'm not sure what will happen, but if I don't give it a go, I won't know. And at least I can know the, I was thinking to myself, I'll just know the application process. Like I'll mm -hmm. know the admin side of it and I'll apply <laughs> in like four years time when I've got more experience. And um, one thing just led to another. So I did my application, my personal statement, and then they called me for an interview. So I'm like, oh, okay. At least I get to see what the interview is like. I'm not going to get it, but you know, and then did the interview and then, you know, a couple of months later they're like do you want to come and become a prosthodontist <laughs> and yeah so that's how it actually ended up it just ended up a series of risks really and it and mm -hmm. I, I am where I am today because of of that that's amazing I think that's a very good example of how something that you think 
is a pitfall, is a failure actually in the long run will end up getting you where you're meant to be. So this is something that I um, am really passionate about because I think a lot of young people think failure or failing is is a bad thing, but actually sometimes you don't know why these things happen. You know, like you're saying, I really, really wish I'd taken a gap year before I started my uni and because I went straight from school to uni to work and it's really, really stressful. I think having that year just to do whatever you want, so whether it's working on your application or traveling, so you did a bit of both, which sounds ideal, um, but at the time you probably felt like, as you're saying, the world is ending. So what is your advice to young dentists or people who are aspiring dentists who are stumbling along the way, who aren't maybe finding their way as smoothly as they would like what would be your advice to them oh I can firstly I completely agree with the whole failure thing and I think that it's a really important thing to just highlight and I work a lot with young dentists anyways with their earlier years so it's something I always say to them is like there isn't such thing as failure mm-hmm. it's actually a ch- something that's challenged you or an area of your life that you expected to get something and you didn't it's not a failure And I think that's where people get themselves really bogged down and kind of can even be depressed or stressed out about these things. And I think it's really important to reiterate that everything that happens in life can be changed for the better and it can actually really give you strength of character. Um, And that's something that I would definitely say to my younger self and something that I probably maybe was a bit different to my my colleagues and my peers, because whenever there was a pitfall, there was something that was really bad, you know, that would happen. I would find my strength somewhere to find that silver lining some way, somehow. Um, I've spoken a lot in kind of like publications and on my social media about bullying. And it's something I absolutely hate because I was subject to that in my undergraduate years. And from that or from the back of that, it gave me strength of like, I used to go to the library every day because I was avoiding everyone. I used to go to the library every day and I became so good at removable prize and I got really really good grades that year in in my you know my viva um I organized a trip to Ghana with the rest of my colleagues and my peers and we did outreach that summer and I I met loads of new people that were all at university with me but I just had had never met before Um, and we did an amazing elective project Um, and I went on to live with those girls and and they're still still my best friends to today so from really bad hardships you can either decide to be stressed out, be depressed in it and really kind of like mull in it. Or you can have that day of sitting with ice cream and watching a movie. And then the next day you can think, okay, like, let me prove myself wrong that actually this can cause some light and this can cause some goodness. And I think that's really, really super important, especially in our profession where it can be stressful and it can be hard and we do take on the burden of our kind of patients and what they're feeling and what they're going through um you know and we see sometimes can we see you know multiple patients in a day and that can cause a, a rippling effect so for me it would definitely say that there is no such thing as failure it's just challenges there to test you and create that strength of character um which I really really believe yeah I 100% agree with you because I think people in our profession who have sort of applied to dentistry or aspiring to be dentists they're used to doing well they're used to doing well whether it's academically or in extracurricular stuff they're used to doing well and being the best so when something happens that they're not quite familiar with or they don't know what the end outcome is it can throw them off quite a bit so I remember this happened when with my group of friends at uni there was five of us three 
three of them didn't get in on their first round of applications. Uh, they had to take a year out and then they applied. Two of us got in on our first round of applications. And it was so, so funny because in our first year final exams, those three did very, very well in the exams. Myself and my friend who'd got in first time round, we failed our exams, so we had to retake them. So it just goes to show that you will at some point, again, let's not call it a failure, let's call it a stumble, essentially, you're stumbling along the way. So it will happen to you at some point. If it hasn't happened, it either will happen or you haven't been trying hard enough to do new things. So definitely it's, it's a part of the whole process. So let's talk about missing teeth. What kind of causes can we have for um, missing teeth? So many different causes. I think the main ones that we tend to um, look at or the ones that the research shows is either dental decay, which is also known as caries, and also gum disease, which is known as periodontitis. And these two cause the main causes of teeth being missing. Um, there are some other reasons as well. So trauma can be one as well. So that's getting into an accident or a physical you know, um, situation where you lose your teeth because of that. Um, and another reason is that you might've had an extensive amount of treatment over the years. So crowns, bridges, root canal treatment, and you could have had recurrent infections or issues with these um, teeth, which would then leave very long spans or large areas in your mouth that would be missing if they were to be removed at some stage. But fundamentally, everything usually comes back to either dental decay, gum disease, and some element of trauma if that has happened to you in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And also, it's I think it's important to mention congenitally missing teeth. Some people are just due to their genetics and various factors, they are born without certain teeth. And we know that there are certain teeth. So for example, your, what we call lateral incisor teeth are very commonly missing in people who have a family history of congenitally missing teeth. So it's either due to disease state, like you were saying, gum disease or decay uh, being the two most common ones, or it could just be that you were unlucky and you didn't have some of your teeth form um, just because of your genetics. So in terms of the impact that missing teeth can have on an individual, whether it's physical or psychological, what kind of impacts would they have? So for sure, I think that um, psychologically, it can be very traumatic, especially if you've got missing teeth in your smile line or in your vision um, for other people to see. It can cause patients to really lose faith in their confidence mm. and um, their ability to perform things like their work, for instance, um, if they're with customers or if they're with people all day um, and it's like a constant reminder as well that something's missing something's not there I mean it can cause a lot of psychological um, impact and you're completely correct in terms of congenitally missing teeth that's something that um, there's a specialist group of people um, that will deal with this and, and um, these patients are deemed hyperdontia so they don't have teeth when they're when they're born um, and they don't come through or some in some cases they have extra teeth <laughs> that come through as well um, and these patients need to be really carefully managed um, in order to gain a really good result and that can sometimes involve multidisciplinary care which means different types of dentists so you would have someone move the teeth like an orthodontist then you might have a um, an oral surgeon or a restorative dentist looking at whether they can place implants in those areas or they can place bridges to um, help with the gaps. But 
this is a, a really good idea when um, general dentistry may not be suitable and a patient might need to be seen by a more specialist group. But psychologically, that can have a massive impact because from a young age, you're there with missing gaps where your, your cohort, your peers, people in your class have a full set <laughs> and you're confused and worried about why you don't as well. Physically, it can also have an impact. So now I'm talking more generically or more generally with the general public. If you have a missing gap in your mouth, um, teeth like to move. And funnily enough, they actually move throughout your life, even in health. So you could actually have teeth drifting into that space or you could have teeth on the lower arch or the upper arch, depending on where the tooth is missing, kind of growing into that space because they like to touch one another. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they move around until they can find something that they're tapping against so that they can be useful. Um, and if you don't have the gap replaced, then it might become a bit too small for us to be able to then actually replace it sufficiently with a tooth. And then you find yourself compromising teeth around or not having the gap replaced in the end. So yeah, psychologically and physically, there is implications of not getting missing teeth replaced. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's so many physical impacts that people don't often realize. So like you're saying, teeth like to touch teeth, so they will move to, to find other teeth to touch and that can sometimes compromise the treatment. Um, and there's also, you know, bone as well. Our jawbone is in constant turnover throughout our life in health or in disease state and if you're missing a tooth the bone in that area can start to shrink because there's no tooth around it and that can again compromise aesthetics so it's not going to look uniform with the rest of the gum and also it's going to compromise any kind of restorative options that you want to do in the future and you know again depending on where the tooth is so your speech can be altered you know it's difficult it's funny we don't realize these things until something is missing um and obviously you're not going to be able to chew as efficiently as if you had all the teeth so there's lots of different things that go into it and then again if you're missing lots of teeth then it can actually reduce the support of your face so your cheeks can look sunken in or your lips can be unsupported and that can be really really detrimental it can age people quite significantly so what kind of options do we have to replace missing teeth yeah, we do have options, which is great. Um, fundamentally, we can split them into removable options. So these are things like dentures um, or um, commonly known as plates. And usually this is really great when you, you've, you're missing multiple teeth. Mm -hmm. So when you're missing um, a lot of teeth, that then they can all kind of be joined together on, on a plate. And that can then also replicate not only the teeth, but also the gum as well. So you have the pink and the white within your denture. This can be made from a plastic material, or it can be made with a little bit more support with a metal material. And um, the metal can clasp onto teeth to help with, with the, the support of the denture for a longer term. Um, we've also got some fixed options as well, where we can replace teeth with fixed um, restorations. So we can do things like bridges. Um, bridges are a great option and there are lots of different concepts and designs to try and keep as much tooth as we can um, rather than shaving teeth down. Um, but there are some options as well where we can utilize that, especially if there are teeth either side that are compromised and we want to include them within our plan. Um, bridges are great because they you don't have to take them out of the mouth they're fixed within the mouth um, but they don't always um, replace a long span of missing teeth and that's where I was speaking about dentures being a bit more useful mm -hmm. finally something that is um, I shouldn't say modern because it's probably been around for like 
20 odd years now, <laughs> but a more new concept. Um, unfortunately, not yet is it um, fully funded by the NHS for everyone, only for a select you know, amount of people, but it's dental implants. And um, they're a really good way of uh, replacing not only the tooth, but the kind of root structure as well. So it stops that whole drifting process happening. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a completely fixed option as well. And the beauty of dental implants is that not only can they replace single teeth, they can also replace long spans of teeth where you place multiple implants. And also it can actually aid some um, support and a little bit of stability of dentures as well. So you can actually place implants, um, you know, two implants in the lower jaw around where your canines would be. And that can really give some help with lower dentures, which a lot of patients in the aging population find very difficult to tolerate mm -hmm. um, because of the tongue movements and the trampoline like of the floor of the mouth. Yeah. So dental implants is a great one to aid and uh, facilitate the rehabilitation of people's mouths. What would you say are the pros and cons of uh, each options? Because there's lots of, there are a few options, uh, removable and fixed, and obviously each case is different. But generally speaking, what are the pros and cons of some of these options? So I guess with dentures, especially when you've got bigger dentures replacing a lot of teeth, they are a removable option. So if they're not fitted well or they don't seat great, um, even when you're functioning and speaking, they can clatter or move around. So this is where I was speaking earlier about going to a bit more um, of a specialist or someone who likes doing dentures um, to be able to get you that good comfort. Um, the good option about them is that they do they do cover the gum as well. So you can actually replace gum and teeth. And um, another good option as well is that they're affordable. So they are readily available on the NHS. Um, you can also have them as a private option as well, but they're fairly um, easy to, to get and go to a dentist and they'll be able to be uh, competent enough to help you with that procedure. Um, Bridges is a very, very intricate <laughs> treatment. So I'm gonna be very generic with my pros and cons. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, but the pros are that they're fixed so they don't come in and out of your mouth like a denture does um, you can get very very good aesthetics to help match your you know your natural teeth to the bridge so people won't know that you've got this bridge in your mouth as well um, unfortunately they do not cover your gum as well it's just uh, the tooth area that they support and a, a kind of negative as well is that if they're not properly planned, um, you might have to end up removing some tooth structure to help bridge this tooth on. And that might be one adjacent teeth, it might be both adjacent teeth. Um, and this can then compromise the, the teeth next door from getting decay or, or gum disease. Um, with dental implants, um, the pros are that they're fixed. Um, the research shows that they last a really long time. Um, they are, in terms of the negatives or the cons, they are very reliant on lots of things. So they're reliant on your anatomy, they're reliant on your bone levels, they're reliant on your bone quality, um, your medical history. So these things do come into play and you need to be a special candidate for dental implants. Um, and very, very, very recent um, kind of research shows that dental implants also can fail um, and they can be subject to gum disease like the tooth can. So um, these are things that you should kind of take into consideration. Um, and like I said earlier, they're not readily available, but they are available, but they all come at a cost. So there'll be a, a price associated with getting a dental implant. 
as mm. as would um, maybe very aesthetic bridges or private options of getting a bridge as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important to know there's a ladder almost to different treatment types that you can have, whether you go for and what kind of materials you go for, because I think what people need to realize, especially relevant to prosthodontics, is that the restorations that we provide for patients are custom made for them in a dental laboratory. So there's a lot of intricate work involved. So what we do often is we do what we need to do in, in the mouth ourselves, and then we take impressions and records and things to send to the laboratory. And a technician, a highly skilled technician, will go ahead and make those teeth. So for example, a bridge or a crown or something like that is made essentially by an artist to try and mimic the rest of the teeth and we can often you know spend a lot of time making sure that it matches the rest of the teeth whether there's any little um, quirks or personality traits in the teeth so they're not often one uniform color and this will be made in the laboratory so it involves a lot of work by a lot of different people so the time and cost and things that are associated with it are you know, a little bit different to a direct restoration. For example, if you have a filling, it's quite simple. We do it there and then, and that's it. Whereas if you have a crown, um, then obviously it involves a lot of work and a lot more people. Um, so that's important for patients to know as well. Yeah, 100%. Would you say people have to replace their missing teeth? So if somebody has a tooth missing, whether it's a front tooth or a back tooth, do they have to have it replaced or can they leave it be as it is? Yeah, very good question. Um, ultimately, everyone can do whatever they want to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I think one of the things just stepping back away from um, from teeth is that nothing nothing's going to happen that's detrimental to their life or well-being let's put it that way um ultimately it's a good idea because we were born with a certain amount of teeth so to have them all back is um is, is a good option like you said earlier helps with function helps with speech helps with aesthetics however the research shows um that we can actually survive and function with just 10 occluding pairs so we only need our for argument's sake our second premolar to our second premolar on the top and the bottom, we didn't need any of our molars and we could actually survive completely fine. Um, and there is some research that shows that. Um, and there's also been systematic reviews that show that as well. Um, so ultimately, if you do have all of your teeth when you're born, say your wisdom teeth to your wisdom teeth and you're all fully set, you could actually afford to lose um, 12 teeth um, and still be okay. <laughs> I did the math there mentally yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah which is which seems like a lot but just bear in mind obviously um the things that me and Shadi have already said which are you know drifting teeth um things kind of erupting upwards and not causing a nice smooth plane of your of your teeth um and these kind of things or if you decide in the future that you would like a dental implant and there's not enough bone then that's something that you'll have to consider because of the choice that was made earlier on yeah, I agree. I think it's uh, obviously like anything to do with healthcare. It's very, very case specific. And as you very rightly said, it's all about autonomy. Patients have the complete control to choose what they'd like to do. But I always like to, you know, and, and patients always ask, what do you recommend? Um, unless they're really, really certain that they want to do something. So I always tell them, you know, more often than not, it's good to replace your teeth. It's good practice because one aesthetics you know if it's a front tooth it goes without saying it's gonna look a bit strange if you're missing a front tooth and that's gonna affect your confidence and speech 
And also if it's a back tooth, yes, if it's just one tooth and no one sees it, that's probably fine. But if you're missing multiple back teeth, first of all, your cheeks are gonna start to sink in. So that can really, really age you. And secondly, you can't really eat the stuff you want to eat if it's, you know, we're saying that you can function with 10 pairs of occluding teeth. But in some cases, you know, if you're missing lots of different teeth and you can't eat what you want to eat, that's going to affect your overall health. So nutrition is a big thing. And if you can't eat the things you want to eat or eat the things that you have to eat in terms of vitamins and minerals, that's going to affect your overall health. So in some cases, it's it's very, very good practice to, to replace those missing teeth. But, you know, if it's one back tooth that's missing, that's absolutely fine. Um, like, for example, I'm congenitally missing, technically speaking, my upper left wisdom tooth. It doesn't affect my life in any way because I don't really need it to chew. It doesn't affect the aesthetics. Obviously, we're not going to replace that tooth. But if it was my front tooth, then yes, I would want to replace it. So we said what kind of causes we can have. Obviously, for congenitally missing teeth, we can't change our parents. But in terms of everything else, what kind of preventive actions could we be taking to avoid any damage to our teeth or ending up with a missing tooth or multiple teeth? Yeah, so I think it fundamentally goes back to the two main points I said right at the beginning, which was dental decay and gum disease. Um, very, very prevalent and, and ensuring that all of our oral hygiene kind of routines are completely up to scratch mm -hmm. um, and ensuring that we have um, so good fluoride in our toothpaste. We brush every single day in the morning and in the evening, preferably with an electric toothbrush, especially if we don't have the best manual dexterity in terms of cleaning our teeth. Um, for instance, elderly patients or even children who might not be able to do that. Um, we brush for at least two minutes and that doesn't mean we brush one tooth for two minutes <laughs> have a little bit of a routine that we go around uh, we should watch all of Shadi's TikToks she'll explain <laughs> perfectly <laughs> um, and also we all, one thing that I kind of stress a lot and my perio colleagues will love me is that we, there are five surfaces to the teeth that we can get to and we always forget to so it's getting something in between like floss super floss um, or interdental brushes, which are probably your saving grace, especially if you um, have a lot of crowns or fillings already, and you need to get that margin of the crown to the tooth or the tooth to the filling completely clean. You can imagine if you really zoomed in, there would be little areas that, you know, microbes could get into. So ensuring that you get a nice interdental brush in between um, in the evening before you go to bed is absolutely key. Some people like using mouth rinses as well. Um, they have a really low amount of fluoride in them, so they're not the greatest for overall health every single day, but they're definitely excellent for an adjunct in the day. So often people have them like after breakfast, just before they go to work, or they have it after lunch, or when they get back from work, something like that at a separate time in the day of your actual general toothbrushing. Um, the second is diet. And um, it doesn't mean you necessarily, I'm probably the worst dentist for saying this, it doesn't mean you, you need to stay away from every single sugary fruit, food out there, um, but it's understanding what foods have sugars in them. So we often think obviously chocolate, sweets and, and um, uh, fizzy drinks, but actually fruit has a really high amount of sugar in it as well. Um, condiments like tomato ketchup and mayonnaise have a really high amount of sugar in them as well. And people don't really know that or um, don't kind of relate that with when they've got mm -hmm. decay. I don't eat any sweets though, but they yeah, might be exactly. having a high amount of sugar in their yeah. fruits or putting three spoons of sugar in their coffee in the morning. So these kind of things I think are really 
interesting to kind of figure out about your diet and we always talk about the frequency and I won't bore you with Stefan curve and everything now but <laughs> the frequency of your sugar is more important than the quantity so what we're trying to say is we'd rather you eat the whole box of chocolates in like 30 seconds <laughs> than eat one every half an hour whilst you're watching you know the Harry Potter uh, box set and you've <laughs> literally gone through the chocolate pack all day and uh, that is going to cause a more detrimental effect on your teeth than um, the quantity that you're having. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say in terms of preventing trauma, obviously, try not to get into trouble. And if you, you know, if you do any kind of contact sports, just please make sure to wear a sports guard. So any contact sports like, I don't know, rugby, karate, anything like that, just wear a sports guard because you'll be surprised how easily, you know, the knocks to the face and to the, to the mouth can actually affect your teeth. So all the young patients that I see that have started doing these contact sports, the first thing we do is make them a sports guard to protect their teeth. So that's very important as well. Completely agree. Thank you so much, Giovanna, for joining me today. I had a wonderful time. My pleasure. Anything to spread some good, like positivity within the community is always up my alley. So thank you for having me. I really hope you enjoyed that episode and hopefully learned a few things. Remember, we don't always have to replace missing teeth, but in a lot of cases, it is good practice to do so. I would love to know what you thought of this episode, so feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Dr. Shadi Manucheri. There will be a new episode every week, so please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode. And I can't wait to speak to you soon.